Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. What a crazy, crazy start to this episode. I have a feeling it's going to be a crazy one. Today, of course, I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, the awesome Gianna Whitfer. And our guest today is Wade Wells. We teased out today early this week that we're bringing a little bit of a security flavor to this episode, and we sure are. We have Wade Wells with us today. He's a security engineer. He's also the board member of B-Sides San Diego chapter. We're so excited to have you. Thanks for joining us on your Friday evening instead of being out at the bar. Thank you for allowing me to get on. I love doing this stuff and it's always awesome to actually talk to people instead of working from home and not seeing anyone all day. <laughs> I love that. Anytime you need a little company, just hit us up. <laughs> oh, I will then. We're at the bar. This is the bar. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we all we all decided to grab a drink. It's what six forty five on a Friday evening. Everyone's busy all week, and so this is going to be a fun conversation. But wait, before we jump into anything, we need you to take the listeners on a journey of what you have going on back there in your background. It's really awesome. Oh, okay. There's a lot yeah. of really cool stories. So take us through the journey. So like most good cybersecurity people, my background is full of Easter eggs and secrets. We'll go in the camera. So like my right being the hand I have up right now, I have SANS posters, if you know what those are. So for digital forensics and blue team stuff, if I ever need a quick reference. I also have the anti-siphon slash RECA poster right here, which is Black Hills, right? And it's like a Smokey the Bear poster. It's probably actually one of my favorites. But then the whole background I have a Mr. Robot poster that was the F Society, the Matrix Spoon poster, and then the War Games with Matthew Broderick poster on my right over the shoulder. I also have like 3D printer, Indiana Jones hat and whip. Wally, the robot is up there. There's San Diego Padres as well as the San Diego's Loyals hat. You name it. I could keep going. This is a bunch of uh, pop culture nerdy stuff, video games and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) How are we going to put this all in the show notes? This is amazing. I don't know. We're going <laughs> to yeah, we're gonna make a collage. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even mention the 3D printer too. So <laughs> You do. You just straight have a 3D printer like right there. Yeah. What do you 3D print? So I print chip clips. That's like my one useful thing to like close your bag of chips after you eat them. And it's like my test. That was probably the last thing. But my uh, wife is really big into houseplants. And of course, during COVID, right? So I actually print flower pots for her. A lot of people really like the Pokemon flower pots. So I have a bunch of those. And then I went real nerdy and I tried to build myself a complete Mandalorian armor set. And if I screwed over, you can see the Mandalorian helmets back there. Oh, yeah. That's what those three are. Star Wars, Mandalorian, the bounty hunters and stuff like that. So full nerd stuff. Normal. (laughs) Love that. We're going to need a full picture of that background to include in the show notes for everyone that wants the visual of Mm -hmm. what you just described. I think so. However, I have a bone to pick with you. Maybe a tortilla. There are (laughs) zero taco references on your background in your wall. And I know San Diego is a big taco capital. What's up with that? You spotted that. In my wall to my right is one of the B-sides electric badges that is a taco. Okay. 
so actually you can't see it. You can barely see it. It's behind me right here. Hanging is the badge. That's a taco. And that actually is lights, but I need okay. more taco references. You're absolutely right. I didn't realize San Diego was such a big taco place until someone told me that. Why is it every time we go to San Diego, people always take me to tacos and I'm like, you don't get tacos at other places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right there. What can what can we say? I think that means we need some taco swag, Maria. For our guests on the show, we need to send them a taco or swag. Maybe not a taco. I don't know how. I to mean, hold it I'll take a taco. But <laughs> yes, hundred percent. I think tacos put a smile on everybody's face, no matter where they're from, what kind of palate they have. Foodie or no foodie, mm-hmm. tacos are always a preference. So yeah, let's do it. Cool. So we've got drinks. We've got our awesome, awesome background. We're hungry for tacos. But Wade, it's all about you for this episode. We want to hear your story, your journey. Tell the listeners about you. I started at fast food. I used to be a manager at an In-N-Out Burger. And so that's where my social ability comes from and being able to talk to people and coherently and working in a fast-paced, chaotic environment, which Mm -hmm. translates completely over to cybersecurity. So it worked great. From there, I've worked in cybersecurity for the past six years, working for a couple of different companies, Fortune 100 companies, as well as smaller organizations and managed security providers. I've always been very community focused throughout that and going to meetups, going to just like lunch and learns and everything. And more recently, I've been really diving into B-Sides San Diego, which is local security conference that can happen. They have B-Sides almost everywhere. This year, I actually got put on the board, whereas in beforehand, I was just a core organizer. But I love it. That's me in a nutshell is cybersecurity and pop culture references. So Awesome. Wait, we're the marketers, right? We're the ones paying to do big, splashy things at events and like do digital ads and all this stuff. But sometimes we might be missing an opportunity to engage with like community and organizations. Like at Votero, we've gotten really involved with ISC Squared in New Jersey, which has been really, really, really awesome to support. You're in security. Are you involved in a lot of community orgs? Do you like to focus on B-sides specifically? Like, How does community affect you and how do you engage with community as someone who is a security engineer? Being more sociable, I'm definitely more community oriented, right? And I've actually looked out there at companies. So companies that are doing marketing that are also very community oriented, right? One that I felt that is a little bit, it does it pretty good is Red Canary, right? They're pretty good with their community and have a bunch of free tools and have Katie Nichols talking for them all the time and does multiple things. But the big one that really brought me in was, of course, like Black Hills InfoSec with Jason Blanchard, right? And Deb, they're very community oriented and aren't just there to like flash the company, but also there to build and rise up the security community as a whole. And that's actually something that caught my eye a lot, that they want to make everyone better, not just themselves better. And so I'm part of their community as well. I'm what I would consider a like a brand ambassador for them. That's like the best way to put it. So they do training and stuff and I'll help out on their trainings. I'm actually on their podcast for security talking about the news that we do every Monday. It's pretty fun. And I get to know a lot of people and I've actually made some very good friends through it. And... I love it. It's great. As far as San Diego goes, it's been kind of hard with community since COVID. There's a couple groups coming back up. So of course, B-Sides. And I think we're one of the first big conferences to happen in San Diego since COVID, of course. But there's been, there was a couple other little groups that died out because of COVID. But 
Yeah, there's still a couple more. So local DEFCON, DEFCON groups have meetups usually based on area code. So I know DEFCON 858 is in San Diego. I haven't been able to get to go to one of theirs because their meetings are the same day as my HOA meetings. And I've actually had to go to those and it's horrible. You go to HOA meetings? What happens there? Boring old people yelling at each other about removing trees and pipes and stuff. I go because I have a problem and I've been trying to like argue it. And then use it as like security and trying to do like risk analysis and cost and be like, hey, if this tree, here's the percentage. And then like other people have sued HOAs, but I hate it. Um, it sounds like you have oh a tree problem. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> Every time we talk to you, we learn something new about what else you're doing in life. It is impressive. I do too much. <laughs> so DEFCON 858, what else is there in San Diego? There's OWASP. They're still kicking and going. Qualcomm is usually where they have it. Usually do memory and processor for phones. They're big in San Diego and one of the big tech hubs. And there used to be like a DFIR group, but that one's kind of fizzled. I'm sure there's a lot more that I have no clue about. And I think that's one of the things that B-Side San Diego is really trying to do right now is bring those communities together. And we've actually been communicating a lot. I've been trying to reach out to like local colleges trying to get their cybersecurity teams to maybe come to one of our meetings or if they need someone to speak at or someone just to talk to for mentorships. I've also reached out to like the local city college, which I just found out is trying to actually have a bachelor's program in cybersecurity, which I'm super interested in to go at least help them in some way. So I also do mentoring on the side with Springboard. So that's just more community stuff. I'm really big into trying to help other people. Where do you lie on the bell curve, basically? On the extreme. <laughs> I would definitely say that. The thing is, the groups that I roll with, I do roll with a lot of people who are on the extreme side. I'm a firm believer of putting yourself with a group of people at that you want to emulate. So especially with Black Hills. So since they're so community focused, they bring in a lot of people who are also community focused. And it's kind of like compounded me to be more community focused and to help people out there. And trying to just increase security as a whole and teach people. And it's not just like people who are in cybersecurity or people who are trying to get into cybersecurity, right? Like I help a couple of small businesses and schools with cybersecurity if they call and ask me a question. So it's a little bit of everything. I don't want to go like too off the walls with it, but my wife says I do too much. (laughs) (laughs) If you have an extra few minutes in your day, will you help out a cyber marketer or two? Please, we could use the help. (laughs) Oh, Without a doubt. I am always willing to help you guys out. So if you guys never need help, hit me up on LinkedIn, but make sure you like put a message in because I usually I get hit up and I'm like notorious will just ignore half the people unless I know you or there's a message. But yeah, I'm always down to help people. It's hard on LinkedIn. It's hard with the outreach. It's really hard to figure out, okay, what's the true outreach and what's just selling? Yeah. Or just like the echo chambers, right? Everyone just high five and everyone. I love LinkedIn for what it is. I also hate it for what it is. I, I'm trying to stay off the social media as much as possible, but I try being insecurity. I have to abuse it a little bit to try to get what I want. I hear you. I hear you. So on the topic of LinkedIn and you're a security engineer, are you evaluating or looking at new products in your life? Wait, is that like something you have to do? Yeah. So that is actually something I do. I am one of the people in charge of doing that at my current organization. I have looked at every threat intelligence product that is on the market. And I'm a chronicle note taker almost to like too much. And we'll just like completely write out a list of what they suck at and what they're good at and then try to evaluate them best. You name it. My company is actually really good about us 
going and checking out whatever we want. And every time that any contract is up, we evaluate at least two products to see if we're meeting business standard. It kind of sucks to tell you the truth because then I have to learn two products, but it's interesting. Okay. Take us through the journey. You identify you have a need. You confirm you have a budget. Where do you go? I already do threat intelligence, right? I'm good at research. My two big things right off the bat is ask my either group of friends or a group of cybersecurity people for references and see what they're using. That's number one. And then number two is I start just usually Googling, looking at LinkedIn, looking at Twitter. I usually go through that. I go to the webpage and then find a contact to see if I like it or not. Usually I'll hit them up. Most of the times you get replied back right away. Most of the times. I've had a couple of times where I was doing reviews for products and I just never got a response from anybody, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Or like got a response like two months later. I'm like, we already bought another product. Get out of here. That must feel bad too to not get a reply. It's like, hey, come on. I'm Wade. What's wrong with me? Am I not worth the value, right? Am I too small of a company? Like going that. (laughs) Do you have to POC every product? Yeah. Isn't it called POV now, right? Point of value, right? That's what we'll stick with. There's other terms for it. So the first thing we'll do is we'll talk to them. We'll go through and understand what does it do? How does it do it? And going through like pretty much the sales engineer. And then if we like the sales engineer, right? I've had a couple of times where sales engineers have just straight flopped. but Depending on the need and what we see, we usually have a couple of people. Sometimes we'll just do me right off the bat. And then I will bring in other people if I think there is a value. And then from there, we decide. We've done a couple products recently where we did like a bake off against three different providers. And so then I have to learn each of those products and then evaluate them and figure out a way to evaluate them is the hard part. At the end of the day, 90% of the time, it's just like Excel spreadsheets, which is horrible. Wow. I'm just doing a crazy hypothetical. What if the product you like doesn't meet the Excel spreadsheet win rate? Some of the criteria, of course, right? It's going to be like UI. Is it actually doing stuff? How easy is it? And then does it connect to our ecosystem? So like our log management system, or can we do API calls and stuff to it in case we want to do other stuff? Yeah, integration. Yeah, that's a big one. Integrations, that's the proper term for it. Yeah, that's all part of it. Sometimes the UI sucks or is just a little bit harder than the other one. Sometimes they don't pass the test. And there's been several times where the one that we thought was going to perform the best did not against testing. We jumped over to another product or times where we're doing the POV and they actually catch something that the current product has not caught. That was actually a big thing where we just completely like, yeah, you guys caught something that's huge. We're going to jump over. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. And yeah. You mentioned you first find value, right? When you're vetting and then you bring in other people in your team. Who are those other people that you usually bring in in that step two? I am the mid-tier guy. I'm not the low man on the totem pole, but I'm not the high. I'm not the manager, right? So usually when we bring in that next person, it's everyone on the team that can join the call. So it's the manager as well as the lower people on the totem pole that will then have questions or see something that I missed. Usually the best part is I don't have to negotiate prices. I just leave that to the manager. You get to do the hard part. I just get to say if the product's worth it or not. But once those other people come in, they see it from a different light and usually like from a different angle from me and completely ask questions that I didn't even think about. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. 
Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon are available to look at, listen to, and sponsor at HackerValley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows, and uh, sponsor a podcast or two. Very interesting. I think in cybersecurity marketing, and I'm pretty sure you know this, we're obsessed about the CISO. And we keep getting schooled over and over that it's not always about the CISO. It's about his team. It's about a lot of really influential team members. It's about the ones that are going to be your end users of the product, right? So stop obsessing about the CISO. He's not all yes. that in oh, a bag yes. of chips. <laughs> I will say the current company I've at, the CISO... We had like an org change, but the CISO, they have some sway. They'll tell us to look at our product that they think it's great, but they did not have the power to buy it. We decided to buy it. It may come down to they just do the check mark to okay. But if we're the ones in the trenches using the product every day, it better be us who really like it. The past couple organizations is more of the internal team decided rather than, and then the CISO just checks it off. It's like, we trust the manager of operations or the director of operations. And they didn't even look at it. Yeah. I didn't know that was a big thing where the CISO is always the one who has to buy it. Yeah. Excuse me five minutes while I go change my audience targeting on my LinkedIn. (laughs) advertising. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I want to point out that what you said, Wade, was about integration, right? Like that's the same thing that us marketers look for. When we're buying a product, it's like, how does it connect into what our existing stack looks like? If it doesn't integrate, it either operates in a silo, which is horrible for data and in threat intelligence, I assume that's especially important, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or it's not usable if it doesn't talk to the other things in your world. Mm -hmm. Usually with the integration, right, it's log management type styles like those Sumo Logics, the Splunks, anything that can accept those logs, because then I don't have to worry if your product UI sucks, because if I have those logs, I can just manipulate it the way I want it to work. That's the biggest integration. And that's usually everyone has like a plug in the Splunk or some type of logging to an organism. So then I can read and write queries and do metrics and stuff based on that. The threat intelligence stuff's I agree. It's good to pump that threat intelligence in. But in threat intelligence, the lowest form of intelligence is what we call atomic IOCs, which are IPs, hashes, domains, URLs, URIs, stuff like that. Those are the worst thing for Intel, but everyone wants them to plug in. But necessarily, they're not the greatest. Usually by the time us security people get that Intel on those atomic IOCs, they're worthless 90% of the time. Usually you're trying to do some type of historical search on those IOCs. But yeah, other stuff is great. If you can give me all your metrics and if I can at least throw it in the log database or an Excel spreadsheet, which then can I can easily pipe it over. I love integrations. What does atomic mean? I don't know what technically why it's atomic. <laughs> it's like the rock, the solid, right? The bottom. Have you ever heard what the pyramid of pain is? No, tell us. No? Oh, okay. So like the bottom of it, of course, is like hashes, IP address, and domain names, right? And the further you get up the pyramid of pain, the harder it is to detect but the more value it has. So like network Mm. anomalies, right? Host artifacts are a little bit better. And then tools, like, so I'm sure you guys have heard of like Mimi Cats, right? So that's a tool that actually can like 
pull passwords out of memory and then show you yep. them. If you can detect yep. those tools. And then the highest one, it's what's called TTPs, right? Which kind of goes over tools, but it's tools, tactics, and procedures. And then those are like what attackers are actually doing in the wild, copying files in a particular way, right? Or using bits admin. I don't want to get too technical with it. Doing SQL injections or doing the types of way that they're manipulating the computer that would map it to a threat actor. Like a threat actor usually uses the same tactics over and over again, or not over and over again, but roughly they do. And so you want to make sure that if it's a big one that's being used a lot, that you can detect that and possibly block it. MFA fatigue is a really big one right now. If you guys know what that is. That was Uber, right? Uber, Cisco as well. I think, I don't know if Rockstar did it as well, but a lot of them, right? So right off the bat, you know, MFA fatigue is a very hot TTP. You should be able to detect it, block it, and possibly triage it as quickly as possible because it's being used a lot. So high up on the pyramid of pain and as well as probably something you could easily do and detect. Oh my gosh. Maria, I love we're getting a lesson. I feel like we want to have you on on a weekly basis. This week would wait well. Security 101. Why don't we do that? <laughs> yeah, I'm totally down. You want to start doing easy security? That's one thing that I've talked to Jason a lot about, right? Is when you get to know salespeople, you go, how much security do you actually know? And most of the time, they know just enough to get into trouble where they'll use a term and be like, ah, you use that term incorrectly, but I don't want to say anything because I want the Zoom call to finish. But that's the same thing too, Wait, That's the same thing for marketers too in cybersecurity. We know yeah. just enough oh, yeah. to be out there with sometimes relevant emails and ad copy and stuff like that. But wouldn't it be nice to be able to, yeah, sure, have the confidence to dive deep into a technical conversation without being shitting your pants kind yeah. of thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> shitting say- your pants, my God. <laughs> yeah. The salespeople who can talk the game, right, who can back up their talks with me in security hold a lot more clout with me where I can know I can talk about an attack or something that I'm doing at work and they completely understand it. That shows me that they've done their due diligence and they've gone above and beyond. And hopefully I trust them a little bit more and maybe they can communicate with me more about their product. There's a bifurcation in the selling process, you know, sales person and then sales engineer. And you hand everything technical to the sales engineer, right? But it'd be nicer if everybody involved was just a little more involved. Yeah, a little bit more in-depth. I felt majority of the time, like I don't talk to the sales engineers. I talk to the salespeople more than the sales engineer. Really? Yeah. I would say most of the time, which is a little bit weird, I guess. But you guys tell me. I don't know. Sales and marketing are two different sides of the house. So (laughs) That is actually very strange because I would think that you would resonate and click more with the sales engineer because they can get technical. But that's actually really interesting. And I I bet it depends on the sales team too. There are some that are actually pretty technical and they know their stuff if they've been in cybersecurity sales for a while. So that's cool. But we should change that because we want you to start saying, I love just talking to cybersecurity marketers, actually, more than talking to sales engineers. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) Yeah. Usually they can hold a conversation a little bit better, right? So, Oh, shit. (laughs) There you go. I mean, you haven't hung up on us just yet in this episode. No, no. We're doing just fine. (laughs) I wanted to actually ask one more thing of Wade. I wanted him to tell us, his favorite part of his job. And you could literally pick anything and it could be as long an answer as you want it to. We have a lot of time. So it's nice about like my current job. It's a smaller company and I get to wear all the hats and do whatever I want pretty much, 
which is unheard of in cybersecurity. Usually you're siloed. The worst part about cybersecurity is I'm having fun when something really bad is going on. That's the best time is when we're actually doing stuff. I would imagine it's very similar to like what police go through and like they're just cruising around and until something happens, they're just sitting there doing nothing. I really like it when someone actually does get infected. I call like going down the rabbit hole and then just like getting the malware, understanding how it works, seeing where it came from. What do I need to block? What do I need to detect? Was there any pivots? Where did it first come from? Who's it beaking out to? Has anyone ever seen it before? What other stuff is in there? Just going, going, asking a million questions all at once. And of course, taking notes, right? That's my favorite thing is that rush. That rush is something that I used to have when I worked at fast food and when I used to work at like In-N-Out. Yeah. Oh my God. I worked at a McDonald's and it was like, shit, there's a bus. All right, everybody. 100% per hour now. Time to get down, right? Working at In-N-Out, I had times where there's just two of us and a bus rolls up and you're like, all right, there's nothing we can do. Just take all the orders and then we'll eventually burgers are going to be gone. We're not going to work forever. And that's how I use that same mentality when I end cybersecurity and when that infection happens. It's like (laughs) eventually everything on the network will stop and I'll catch them, hopefully, but maybe I don't. And it's like something real bad, but I don't want to think about that. (laughs) That's so true about what you said about working in the restaurant business, hospitality business. It teaches us so much in our careers today. I come from that world too, almost 10 years in the restaurant business. And it just teaches you people, I guess, skills. And once you have people skills, you can really do anything. It's nothing is impossible. (laughs) I have like a whole talk written up how working in fast food made me better at cybersecurity. And I've just never given it. There's a bunch of relations between the two, but it's like almost not enough. It's like weird, just tiny connections of like, working smart, not working hard, right? And knowing how to read people. And the really good one is being able to ask a question in the least amount of words possible. Like if you ever notice that in and out, they don't ask you, is this for here to go? They just always ask you, is this for here? So you only can give back a yes or no question. If you can do that in cybersecurity as well, you get back great emails or at least better responses. Well, wait, we've just signed you up for Cyber Marketing Con 2023. You're on the roster of speakers. (laughs) You better bring that session. Let's put you on a schedule. Okay, cool. All right. So now it's time for the next segment of our show where Wade asks us how we buy products. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to play a game. (laughs) We're going to play a game where... Wade, we're going to guess what you would do if you were not in cybersecurity or in the hospitality industry. Maria, who wants to go first today? You go first. When you go first, I win. When I go first, I lose. So you go first. Okay. I'm going to go first. Wade, you like are a people person and you like to laugh and have fun. You would be a stand-up comedian. All right, Maria. Oh, I could see that. I could totally see that. I don't know if you've done this before. I've not researched, so do not accuse me of cheating, Gianna. But I think you would be a radio host. <laughs> San Diego 619. Coming out. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <one>. All right. <laughs> Those are both really good ones. I definitely thought I would be like a fighter pilot when I was a kid, but that's like best oh. case scenario, right? Like <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. We want to know what you, like your dream, dream job would be. Like, like like digging into that five-year-old and seeing like, what did you dream of? Yeah, the five-year-old Wade always wanted to be like some type of pilot, of course, like an oh. astronaut or type of stuff. 
But it was also the internet was just barely out, right? So I really love my job and what I do now. I honestly don't know what I would want to do more than this. So I found a good job. The only other thing I could say is possibly like doing something like not necessarily know what the job was, but do something that helps the world in a better way. I'm not proactive. I'm reactive to what's going on in cybersecurity. If I was in some type of proactive manner, I would have loved that. So my original degree was going to be in poli-sci and I wanted to be a politician or be a lobbyist. I loved it. And then I went and uh, was an intern for a lobbyist and realized I can never do this ever and stayed in and out. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Well, we both lost today. And so that's a great way to end my week because I'm usually the only loser in this game. (laughs) Wade, of the two of us, who is the most correct? I'd definitely be more of a comedian than a radio show. Yes, ding, ding, ding. I would definitely really like to do that, but I, I don't think I could write a joke. I'm really good at telling stories and then like doing callbacks and stuff and making that funny. But writing an original joke, I definitely could do. And the other thing is I have a weird thing. <laughs> no one believes me. I'm not a big music person. I don't really like music that much. My wife is like used to run the acapella group at San Diego State. And it's all about going to festivals. So the complete opposite of me as at least audio wise, if you looked at my Spotify thing, I had like 9,000 minutes played and like 8,500 of those minutes were just podcasts. Like the other, and the other 500 (laughs) were my wife on my phone, putting the music on. Wade, before we close out, how do people contact you, especially if they want to get involved in San Diego B-Size as a sponsor or a volunteer? We'll take anything we can get to tell you the truth. Sponsors, volunteers are great. You could either email us, of course, at info at bsidessd.org. If you want to just hit me up, you could do wade at bsidessd.org. Or you could always just hit me up on LinkedIn, Wade Wells, or whatever LinkedIn slash wading through logs. W-A-D-I-N-G. Like you're wading through the water, but you're wading through logs because all I do is read logs all day. Nice. (laughs) That'll be in the show notes. (laughs) Wade, this was such an awesome episode. I had so much fun. It was even better that we were all drinking and just coming together, (laughs) having a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. We realize you probably had other fun plans for Friday evening, but you chose to be with us. So thank you so much. For those of you listening, thanks for joining us. Be sure to check in every Wednesday for a hot-ass new episode. And subscribe so you can get alerted of every new episode launching every Wednesday. And give us five, six, seven stars, however many you can. Thanks for listening and see you next time. 